What is the future of work? The jury's still out, but one thing is clear. Global challenges, flexible working, personal branding and advanced technology will be part of it. Join Sadhanshu Tripathi from the India Alumni Network Committee, along with our panel of UW alumni experts for discussion about what the future of work looks like. You'll gain insight from each panelist's unique career pathway, industry insights, and latest research. Um, hello, good day, everyone. It's an absolute pleasure to have you all join in. Uh, welcome to today's webinar on the future of work. This is brought to you by the UWA Alumni Network in India. My name is Tara. I lead the committee for our Indian chapter. We have over 230 graduates currently living in India. And on the broader scheme of things, we have 2,000 UWA graduates who were born here. The network was created to add value and engage the Indian alumni by creating many opportunities to network and socialize. Uh, while being a part of a larger international group, we know that each Indian alumnus brings their unique experiences when they join the conversation at the table. We celebrate diversity as our greatest strength, and we encourage all alumni to connect and bond over this common thread, which is our time and experience at UWA. I'm now handing over uh, this microphone to Kieran Hargreaves, who's the Associate Director for Alumni Relations and Community Engagement at UWA. Over to you, Kieran. Thanks, Tara. Um, at Heart of UWA, welcome, um, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to join us today for this webinar. It is the tradition of the University of Western Australia to acknowledge the custodians and traditional owners of the land on which our campuses are located. At the main campus, Crawley, the university acknowledges the Wajak Noongar people as the traditional owners of the land on which it is situated. The Wajak Noongar remain the spiritual and cultural custodians of their land and continue to practice their values, languages, beliefs and knowledge. Strengths, prospects and thought leadership are synonymous with UWA. Our alumni network in India, led by Tara Seth, is a prime example of continually connecting students, research, alumni, and industry to the university. And today's webinar is an example of how we're connecting the alumni with the university and highlighting the impact that graduates are making in India and across the globe. And I really hope that you find it valuable. I really would encourage you to keep an eye out for the upcoming Community Connect newsletter in the email um, inbox. It's gonna be highlighting some of the activities and events that are happening in your city and your region. But for now, we hope you enjoy this online experience um, with this amazing panel of alumni. I'll now turn things over to India committee member Sudanshu Tripathi, who will guide this evening's conversation. Sudanshu, over to you. Yeah, thank you, Kiran, uh, for the intro. Uh, thanks a lot. And hello, everyone. I completed my MBA from UWA in 2010, and I was fortunate to study in a very diverse group. Uh, and the environment itself was really enriching. Now, personally, I love to work at cusp of technology and human impact. And I have been fortunate to work across various industries globally in the areas of strategy, marketing, uh, business development, and even uh, very recently ESG. Now in past hundred years, uh, the work uh, around and the world has undergone a continuous evolution. Now this has been a really interesting journey from being a hunter-gatherer to a dot-com telecommuter. Now, the steady push of technology and the rise of uh, uh, digital workplace has shaped uh, not only how we work, but also the nature of roles and skills required in a highly dynamic uh, world culture. The recent uh, COVID pandemic has changed the paradigm in many areas as well, and all of us are uh, aware about the changes that we have experienced recently. Now, is this likely to stop here? Definitely not. And I'm excited to look into the crystal ball and try to decode the future of work with an esteemed panel that we have here. We have with us uh, Dr. Chinmay Chigateri, Mayuri Chopra, and Dr. Dirk Bohr with us. Uh, can I request all of you to turn on your cameras and say hi to the audience. And I request uh, each one of you to introduce briefly uh, to our audience. So, uh, let me start with Chinmay Yu. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining in. Um, I was a master's in infectious diseases student at UWA between uh, 2007 and 2009, although I, I left the campus only early 2010. 
And uh, of course, uh, um, you know, I had the privilege of, uh, of, uh, of working with and, and spending time with Professor Barry Marshall, who was the Nobel laureate from Australia in 2005. And, and I think rest of the uh, rest of the faculty, uh, Professor Jeff Shalem, who unfortunately passed on, uh, you know, I mean, those, those are experiences that will live on forever uh, for me in my professional life and as well as my personal life. So thank you, uh, Sudanshu. Thank you, uh, Josh and others uh, for inviting me today. Thank you, Chinmaya. Mayuri, to you, please. Hello, everyone. I am Mayuri. Uh, I'm a marine biologist. Uh, and from UWA, I did my master's in marine biology. I have worked in marine conservation since I graduated, which was in 2017. Um, my work has taken me to wonderful places since then. I've had the opportunity to work in Mauritius, in Ireland, and now in, in India. I have worked on central government projects with National Institute of Oceanography and with credible global nonprofit organizations like WWF and Traffic. I am also soon starting my DPhil from the University of Oxford um, with a marine conservation project based in, in, in India. Uh, thank you so much for having me here and I'm excited to get this started. Thank you, Mary. Uh, over to Dr. Barr. Hello everyone, um, my name is Ted Bauer, Professor of Finance at ULWA. Um, brief um, summary of my CV, um, I joined ULWA in 2016, so it's um, six years um, roughly that I'm, that I'm here at ULWA. Um, did my PhD in Germany, after that worked for the European Commission in Italy in a research center and was regularly traveling to Luxembourg and Brussels. After that I became a postdoc in uh, Dublin, Ireland, uh, lecturer there, and then from there moved to Sydney. Uh, worked there for a while, back to Hamburg for a year, and then back to uh, Australia again um, in 2016. And uh, I guess later I will talk about uh, the stuff that I actually do as a professor, including cryptocurrencies and blockchain. Oh, that's exciting. Thanks a lot, uh, Dr. Barr. Uh, Again, uh, uh, let me thank each one of you to be on the panel. And uh, uh, I thank the audience as well uh, to have joined the panel. And, and with the experience that the panel is carrying, I'm confident that we'll be able to look into future and try to understand what's in store for us. And today, if we'll try to look at the skills, uh, uh, the mode of work, and the softer aspects of work, these are three broad gamuts that we cover uh, while we navigate through the panel. But let me start, uh, Chinmay, with you. Uh, you definitely are one of the fortunate ones. You, you talked about having worked with uh, uh, Professor Barry Marshall, uh, the Nobel Laureate, uh, Laureate, and the other kind of distinguished uh, professors that you talked about. Uh, from your experience in the medical field, uh, uh, what lessons from history uh, that we can learn? in context of future of work in India. And when we talk about technology intervention, uh, do we see that as a threat to future workers? So if you can just answer that in the context as well. Right. Well, anyway, uh, I think it, it'll be good to set the context by, by telling the audience that I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Health Minds Consulting. We, we do healthcare data work. Um, primarily, uh, uh, you know, from from a from a future of work perspective in the healthcare business and the healthcare industry, uh, traditionally the healthcare industry has been a very very high touch point industry, right? Because it's a touch and feel business. Uh, if it's a touch and feel industry, because there are there were only components of doctors and caregivers and patients, and that was the triangle uh, we would generally see. Uh, but off late, what has happened, and like you rightly pointed out, Sudanshu, is, is the fourth component that is coming in and plugging into this ecosystem is, is technology, right? Um, in fact, pre-COVID, um, the adoption of technology was very, very reluctant in the healthcare space in general. Uh, uh, even if you see the, the way the American health system evolved as well, this is a good example, with Obamacare, they pushed for uh, electronic health record adoption as a nationwide policy. 
Now, America, with all of its resources, was able to pull it off, but there have been various degrees of successes and, and some big failures as well as, as part of that push. But primarily what has happened is that the general reluctance for technology adoption in healthcare has always been a problem. Now, then came COVID, and then we see this complete paradigm shift that has happened in the various value chains of healthcare. So for example, uh, telemedicine, you know, I have seen redundant telemedicine facilities in hospitals and universities, not only in India, but across the world. Nobody used to bother about it. Nobody used to use it. Now, all of a sudden, they started to use all of that because telemedicine became absolutely very relevant. Uh, and the same way pharma, um, I mean, you know, the, the selling of drugs uh, became completely online. Uh, so in a way, the healthcare space made a, a, a record transition from being a very traditional non-technology adoption to completely technology adoption, sort of a flip, you know? And, and I think this has been, I feel, one of the fastest shifts that any industry has made to adopting technology. Hmm. Now in finance and others, it took over a period of time to get there, but I think here, you know, we have made the shift. What has that, what has, uh, has, uh, what has that done in general? Um, number one, there are very few professionals who have been able to cope with this. Uh, so now with everything easing out, uh, they're trying to go back to their traditional ways. Uh, and, and some of them want to continue down that path because they start to appreciate the power of technology that it brings. And to the whole perspective about whether tech will replace doctors or will it change the future of work for the healthcare businesses, I, don't, I think we are very, very, very far from that, from that space uh, and from that timeline. Um, like, you know, technology does very specific tasks. Uh, like, for example, it can diagnose only TB, but a radiologist by seeing a chest X-ray can make a diagnosis of more than 500 or 600 frequently seen diseases. So I don't think technology has matured to that level of intelligence. Uh, so the way I see the healthcare industry maturing in terms of its future potential is that technology will play a large component. I think over the period of time, we will be more keen and, uh, uh, and, and more open to adopting technology. But will technology ever replace human capital? I don't think uh, we are there yet. I think that's so comforting for a knowledge worker like me to hear that. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, and I think uh, let me even just add uh, another data point here. I was just uh, browsing uh, through and just realized that IMF has just published a study which talks about exactly the same thing. It says that automation would, would displace more than 85 million jobs uh, by 2025. So that's one piece. Uh, but the, on the other side, the emerging technologies will create close to 97 million jobs. So that's exactly what uh, you are saying, that technology will sure. play an enabler rather than you know compete with workers uh, on ground or humans with uh, ground. But now that we have mentioned technology, uh, yeah. So now that we have mentioned technology, uh, let me pull Dr. Burr in the conversation. Now, with his diverse experience uh, working across spectrum of technologies, right from AI to blockchain to crypto, now, uh, uh, Dr. Bauer, if I may, if I ask, uh, what role do you see technology playing in, in creating future opportunities? We just heard Chinmay uh, mention that it will be an enabler. Now, what's your view on how do you see technology playing out? Yeah, if I just uh, take on what. Uh... Uh, Jimaya said that uh, even in education, of course, um, the, the, the ability to Zoom and, and to do webinars and all that has, has changed a lot. And the, the pandemic has actually helped us to uh, grow our network as academics and, and present our work more uh, globally. And it's, it's now easier to disseminate uh, knowledge um, through webinars um, because they're just more popular and more accepted than before. Um, the other component um, from a student's perspective is that a couple of years ago, um, there was this forecast that, um, you know, by, by 2020 or maybe by 2025, universities would be, um, there would be a, a strong concentration and many, many would uh, disappear because every, like all teaching would be online and then all teaching would be potentially facilitated by Harvard and, and, and Yale, right? And I think this is also a good example how technology can really change things and help, but it has also been shown, or it seems now 
clearly evident that students also need and want that person experience. So while of course they like everyone can take a Coursera course or these these MOOC courses, um, a lot of people also want this this personal um, link to a professor, right? And I think while while maybe now um, classes where 500 students um, are in one classroom are um, they don't make too much sense from a from a physical perspective, but so now the trend is more into smaller classes, tutorials, more one-to-one -one exchange with professors and, and academics. So that's, I think it's a good example how technology can change, but not eliminate, right? As was predicted, for example, um, 10 years ago. Sure. And there are many other examples. So going to the crypto space, um, I can, one thing that is relevant to, to uh, India, I think is that, that I've done a lot of research on gold and, and um, and I'm also part of the um, India Indian Gold Policy Institute in Ahmedabad, associated member. And so all that research in gold has then also triggered that, that um, interest in Bitcoin because it was said that Bitcoin still claimed that Bitcoin is the new gold. And so what technology sees here is, or what I, I see there is that, of course, there's like blockchain, cryptocurrencies, they have changed stuff, but they have so far not eliminated um, gold. Right, people still like gold because you can touch it; it's tangible, it, it shines, and and Bitcoin or that new technology does nothing like that. And one one other thing which I think is important that I could have said four, five, six, seven years ago that okay, I do my gold research, and I'm not interested in I don't want to change my career or I don't want to look at new stuff because gold is interesting enough, which is it's true, but I've I've embraced that new technology. And also done then research on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and that was a great idea, right? Because that has um, opened a totally new space, um, new research opportunities, new networking opportunities, um, and I think that's something that uh, that I would always tell students or people in general. I mean, embrace new technology, right? If you're afraid of it, that that is often not the, the doesn't help much, right? But embracing it is the solution. And in my case. This has uh, worked wonders because I was already successful before, and now I'm, I'm also the director of a cryptocurrency research center, and, and there's so much interest. So I've just like now I have two things: gold and Bitcoin and other things, right? And that's a good example, I think, what you can do um, to to adjust and uh, adapt to new technologies and challenges. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. I we know who to go to when we are thinking about gold and crypto now. Uh, so some tips will you know. Keep us relevant and then create some fortunes for all of us on this call. Now, thanks for thanks for the insights, uh, Dr. Bar. Now, let me pull Mayuri in the discussion. Uh, we are talking about uh, uh, the aspect of macro changes which humanity is facing at this point in time. We are looking at climate change like uh, never before. Now, Mayuri, if uh, I can ask you, uh, how will climate change impact future of work, in your opinion, uh, as a marine biologist, uh, how will kind of your work change or how do you see related areas changing and look like uh, in future? Thank you for the question. Um, I think, I personally think like as we approach the consequences of our action in the future, um, wildlife conservation and things like climate action uh, will become increasingly urgent. I do actively see that there's, you know, this shift and there's this increasing awareness uh, in the youth in, 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 in India, which makes me really happy. There's lots of kids who like reach, who reach out to me as well. And I'm always happy to take their questions. Um, but I still do think that there's a long way to go. And um, we need more change makers who aren't afraid to take that baton in this in this challenging field. Because this field is so niche, like the, chal the challenges also are multifold. And um, I think that uh, the awareness will definitely increase in the future, which will also effectively divert financial resources to this field. Um, and I think that will help us efficiently tackle the negative impact that wildlife has because of all the climate change, climate, uh, uh, clim climate change issues that have been, you know, increasing. Thank you. No, thank, thanks for the insight. But uh, 
uh, if you can just throw a little bit more light into uh, the opportunity that it creates. So for example, as humanity, we definitely you know are putting all efforts together, be it government, corporates, individuals. So okay. you see that opportunity itself widen for people who want to be on that side. Definitely. I definitely think that's true. So with the increasing awareness, people are, you know, uh, diverting in, into these unconventional fields, the uh, traditional, you know, um, uh, career paths are not the only things that, pe that people can, can, do, uh, can do anymore. So, um, so in India, in, um, in fact, after your um, graduation, there's not many options or many options that used to be there, but now with increasing awareness, with this shift in mentality, there's a lot of new opportunities. There's marine biology, there's wildlife, um, terrestrial conservation, there's many other things that you, you can do. So I do see that there, there is a widening of opportunity, but also um, I feel like um, this shift will also cause a policy change and all of the work that's been done in it and that is being uh, done in it um, should bring this, you know, uh, top-down approach of policy change, which will then also increasingly widen the the op the opportunity uh, slab. Well, definitely. Thanks, thanks for uh, that insight. That anyway widens the opportunity belt, and again, people can look forward to newer kind of work uh, to engage themselves and also create impact. Uh, I just would also at this point in time request the audience, if you have questions, keep your questions coming through the Q&A and we'll be more than happy to take those questions while we kind of navigate through the panel. Uh, now, we did talk about COVID. I think Chinmay, you mentioned uh, how things have changed post COVID. Now, COVID has definitely changed the way we operate, the way we work, offices, office work has got into homes. Most of have operated remotely for last uh, couple of years. So, uh, as a business owner, as a business owner, uh, let me understand from you how much flexibility is good for employees. Now, is working from home better for environment? Because that's one side, uh, how good it is for work itself. And what about uh, employee kind of you no know, mental health, collaboration, social interaction? Any view that you have, Chinmay? So uh, the way I the way I look at it, and and these these actually come out of my own personal experience of running an enterprise. Um, while we see that uh, hybrid nature of work is a very real possibility uh, that we see, uh, my my personal opinion on this, and and feel free to disagree. Uh, is that I think we should be back in the offices. And I'll tell you why, uh, why I want to substantiate my argument. Um, in an innovation business, right, um, there's a lot, we, we tend to just discount the fact that, you know, uh, uh, the peer-to-peer -peer interaction, the peer-to-peer -peer learning that happens uh, is a big driver for new ideas. Uh, in a business like ours, where we are constantly innovating, trying to find what is the next big thing, next new thing uh, that we have to chase after, uh, it is human interactions, it is the melting pot of ideas that actually brings out newer opportunities for enterprises. I can, I can live with the fact of saying, if you have like, you know, um, a, a very routine, uh, structured work, Say, for example, you, you perhaps run an accounting firm where the, where the practices are very well established. You could, you know, be a lone contributor, a single contributor working from home. So, and, and my own experience has been that efficiency, especially in the innovation industry, drops when you're working from home. I don't know if others are having other, other uh, thoughts or other experiences, but what we have seen is efficiency drops. Number one, and then uh, we also see that uh, we are not at our creative best trying to work on a phone. The way we are trying to tackle it is get people into the office for at least uh, a little over 50% of their work time uh, and then give them the opportunity to work from home for the rest of the uh, rest of the balance of the time. Uh, but um, I think we will certainly be moving back uh, uh, into the office and especially 
if you run global innovation centers, like you know, Bangalore is a hub for global innovation centers of all pretty much all of the big boys, uh, in, whether in tech, automobile, banking, whatever, right? Um, you can't expect those those workforces to be in the house and and have the same level of uh, uh, you know creativity and impact. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of time. We'll all be back in our offices. Um, uh, well, I I've, well that that's that's my uh, prediction really, but you know. I really don't know, but I think certainly at Health Minds, we'll all be back in our offices in a, in a few months. Well, thanks for that view. Again, personally, I feel uh, hybrid is the way to go with, with flexibility uh, given to the workforce. Uh, uh, you can't definitely replace collaboration, uh, social interaction, and that has its own central place. Uh, it's very difficult to do it remotely. For that, you have to be together. But when you are not doing that, uh, I think people uh, definitely would cherish some flexibility uh, to operate remotely. That again, that's my personal view. We'll, we'll see what audience has to say. Uh, but that is uh, uh, definitely a debate, which is uh, you know, dividing the world across. Uh, hot now, it's hot right now, yeah. Definitely, yeah. So I think uh, that that's uh, really intriguing to understand. So, so far we have talked about the skills, uh, how technology will play, uh, how the macro factors like climate change are impacting and creating newer opportunities, how technology itself is creating newer opportunities. Now we talked about the mode of work uh, between uh, in office to remote or hybrid. So that's another aspect, but at the same time, whoever uh, the individual is, uh, there is an aspect of uh, personal branding. Uh, how do you kind of make yourself kind of discovered uh, and improve your discovery with your target audience. Now, that is a question that I want to take to Dr. Barr because he would have uh, a lot of people he kind of who have gone through his classes, he would have seen many people kind of you know, flourish uh, across his academic career. Now, if I can ask uh, Dr. Barr, uh, the aspect uh, or the soft aspect of personal branding, how does it play and how uh, it is important for an individual? soft aspect i have to to ask for a clarification uh you mean the soft aspect of into like personal relationships and interactions um beyond technology is that what you mean yeah so it's uh, the aspect of personal branding so how personal branding determines your success at your workplace if i i can put it in those words ah, okay. yeah well i mean in academia it's it's very important right um and and younger scholars are told that that it's important to not only establish a research agenda, but also to have something they stand for. You know, I mean, in my case, it would be I would be usually associated with gold and now with Bitcoin. But then there are also researchers that do younger scholars that do all kinds of things, and it's hard to put them in a bucket. And um, it seems that that um, academia, but also industry, they they like to to have people in a bucket sounds bad, right? But I mean, a brand, there's like this, this, this person is stand does this kind of research and stands for that. Um, and this person stands for something, something else, right? Um, and of course, what I have also noticed, which seems like a no brainer, but just because you asked me that is, is um, I think because I'm a rather critical person, Right, and and I'm also very honest and direct, um, but also nice, right? And and I think I've often um, when I talk to, for example, people in the crypto blockchain industry now, they say, look, we're looking for top people, you know, super smart people, but they have also they have to be they they have to fit in. And by and and when I ask them that, what what does that mean? That like we have to like them. They must be likable, right? They cannot be, they cannot annoy us, right? I mean, they have to 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 uh, well integrated in the team, right? Um, and sometimes um, younger people they 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 don't get it. I mean, they 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 achieve to to annoy people, which is not a good idea, right? If if uh, um, yeah, it's it's a no brainer. But it's it's I come across these things so often that it's still surprising, right? And of course, then also something that that becomes more important with technology coming in is um, ethical standards and integrity. So, because uh, I think technology doesn't make it easier to navigate in, in this world, right? And, and I guess the rules were a little bit clearer 20, 30, 40 years ago. And now um, with technology around um, strong standards when it comes to, to ethical standards, integrity, 
um, is I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes even more important than in the past. No, I, I think that absolutely makes sense. Uh, Chinmaya, maybe you want to add something to this. Sorry, Chinmaya. Uh, yes, Mayuri, you can go. I'll, I'll go after you. Okay. Um, so I think uh, definitely I agree with, doc with Dr. Bohr. And I think that personal branding is key in any field whatsoever. Um, because at the end of the day, I think like you're building yourself through these experiences. So you can be versatile enough and you can stay relevant in whatever, you know, thing that you're doing. Um, and... I think to do that, you also have to be unafraid to explore. You have to be unafraid to, you know, try out different things, try new fields. Um, I have personally, you know, tried many different things in the short span of my career, uh, ranging from like hardcore species conservation, um, community-based conservation, wildlife rehabilitation, working on several species from seagrass to seahorses to sharks, consulting, or, you know, what, whatever else. And I may not use all of these experiences, or I may not use, sorry, I mean, I may not use all of these things um, or pursue all of these fields now or in the future per permanently. But I feel like every single thing has taught me and helped me relevant and you know build my brand i use these experiences for every for, for everything i do so yes personal branding is very important thank you uh Chinmay, any last words on this yes uh, so personal branding i i feel uh, well it's uh, uh well i understand that it is important but my personal experience of it has been that um uh, you know, you have to draw the line as to where you represent yourself and where you represent your organization. And I think that's very key. And also people, you build your personal brand, you position yourself in such a way that they know you for one or two very core principles that you stand for. For example, at Health Minds, you know, our core principle, uh, you know, internally is integrity. Uh, whether it's integrity with, uh, with our own uh, colleagues, whether it's integrity primarily with our customers, or whether it's integrity in the kind of practices we adopt to deliver our services to our customers, people understand and know us that, that we are very integral bunch of people. And I think personal branding always gets associated one, with one key element of your personality or your organization's personality. Uh, as an entrepreneur, the, the way it, 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 it works is that either your personal brand will rub off on your organization or vice versa, right? Uh, and 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 that is important, and and it's important for us to pursue our very key principles and 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 work on them, and make an effort to be known for it. Uh, and that way, people will remember that one thing about you when you walk into their chambers or walk into their rooms, and 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 you'll always be known for that, right? So that way, there's also recall, and 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 it just makes life much easier. No, definitely. I think uh, that all kind of everything makes sense, and uh, we will see how how do we kind of know uh, put it together towards end of this conversation. That what are the key things that we can kind of you know get the right nuggets uh, for us to as a takeaway. Now, before uh, we we move to the next question, uh, uh, Mayuri, there is a question for you from our audience. Uh, for someone who the question is from Matali. Uh, she is currently kind of an environment science postgraduate student at UWA. She just wants to understand uh, when she comes back to India, what are the opportunities that she can look at uh, in the private or the government sector? Hi, Mithali. That's a great question. And I know that once when, when you're doing your postgraduate, there's a lot of unknowns after. Uh, so in India, I think there's a few uh, very well-known names. I've worked with uh, with WWF and Traffic. You could reach out to them. Um, and uh, there's other uh, really well-known organizations as well, like CWS, which is based in Bangalore. There is WCS, which is quite global. Um, WCS also has uh, a really good marine uh, area. So if you're interested more in that, you could look into that. Um, in government, uh, 
position. So they advertise uh, it on their main websites, like their official websites. You could check out NIOT, which is National Institute of Ocean Technology, NIO, which is National Institute of Oceanography. In general, you can go and check out um, uh, any CSIR lab which is, uh, or like institute, um, which would, uh, you know, ad advertise um, uh, regular positions. And uh, it's pretty straightforward. You interview with them and then, um, you know, there's a form you apply for and then you interview and um, um, that's how it goes. Uh, other than that, you could also look at UN organizations. I feel like um, uh, UN, um, uh, UNDP, UNEP, um, they are headquartered in New Delhi. It's around the same area uh, where all of these other global nonprofits are. You could check out their websites. Um, everything is pretty much uh, advertised on their websites, but to go an extra mile, you could also reach out to people on, link, on LinkedIn. Um, networking all, always helps. And um, I think that's a good way to go. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Mayuri, for the guidance. I think uh, uh, Mithali, you can also reach out to Mayuri. She just hinted that she's on LinkedIn. You can get connected and she can guide you further. <laughs> uh, to the audience, uh, uh, if there are any questions, please keep them coming. We will kind of uh, uh, take them uh, with the panel. Uh, but before I think we conclude this panel, I think we are running close to uh, time that we have agreed. Uh, if I can ask each one of you on the panel here that uh, see the common factor uh, which pulls us together here uh, on this platform is UWA. Now, what advice would you give yourself on day one at UWA? Uh, let me start with my review. Uh, okay, so I think um, one one advice that I would give myself or a few. Um, so the first one is that um, choose the units uh, which intrigue yourself and which excite you a lot, but also uh, make the strategic choice of choosing units which will give you industry skills, for example, uh, RStudio or GIS. And that personally helped me a lot to like propel my career later on. Um, and uh, the, the staff at the science student office is absolutely amazing. Don't um, be afraid to reach, to reach out to them if you're stuck anywhere. Um, then um, I have one other rise and that is uh, especially for international students that if it is monetarily possible, please do stay in um, the, the, the college accommodation at least for a, or for a semester or a year. And um, that's purely from personal experience because that really helped me to make the connections with people. The RAs are really good and they help you, you know, connect, socialize, gather that support. So uh, yeah, that's my two cents on this. So well, thank you. Uh, Chinmay, over to you. Um, uh, well, uh, uh, you know, being on campus is, is amazing. Uh, and I think the, the, the one piece of advice is, uh, uh, you know, there are some diverse units uh, uh, that are offered at uh, UWA, apart from just what you have signed up for. Uh, and, and, and I'm a true example of, the, of that. Um, in the sense, we were completely research-oriented course, uh, you know, stuck in labs kind of life. Uh, but there was, a, uh, there was a unit that piqued my interest, which says science communication. So I just... Out of curiosity, I signed up uh, because we had to take a couple of units outside, and and I'll, I pretty much fifty percent or sixty percent of my professional life, what we do at Health Minds, is actually coming out of that unit that I took at UWA, and it's amazing how even the smallest and the most insignificant of units or skills that you may actually pick up. Uh, on your, uh, you know, as a student and, and in your life uh, on the campus uh, can have a very, very big impact uh, on, on, on your professional life going forward. So the way I would look at it and, and, and I would advise uh, students getting into any programs is apart from your core subjects, please take units that will mold your personality and, and communication skills, uh, I've I've also seen units which talk about I think human behavior and 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 you know you know things like that and and these have the ability to mold your personality. 
and like 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 dr bard you know you know spoke about uh, you have to be a likable person whether you're an entrepreneur or, or you're seeking a job uh, fundamentally people do business with you or people work with you because they fundamentally just like you as a person everything else comes next and and most skills you know today are can be acquired uh, so please focus on molding your personality and second and most important thing is integrate well with the local communities integrate well with local associations professional organizations because those are some of the friendships that you will make for the rest of your life uh, i was part of the uh, postgraduate international students union i was also a representative on that committee uh, you know we used to have the australian microbiology association so so many of these professional associations are something that you should actively participate even if it means there's a membership fee or whatever it is those have the ability to change the course of your professional life so these are two things that i would like to tell anybody taking a course in uwa thank you chinmay uh concluding remarks from dr bar i fully agree with what i just said and i would say um say yes um be curious and be open uh, to new ideas right one example when i was asked to be uh, on this panel i i didn't know what uh, what this panel would be like whether you know i learned something whether i would like it you know but now i met new people and and um i i was forced to think about technology and the future of work and and i heard chinmay and and mayori and 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 others and and it's so it's because it's so hard to predict the future um say yes and 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 embrace opportunities right i learned a lot um and I'll, and yeah and and i can just encourage everyone do not say no or think like oh i'm too busy you know if you have an opportunity embrace it and and you gain from it right and and if you interact with other people you learn something and you learn from others you learn about yourself when you interact with other people and so that's that's my message um go out and and uh, embrace the world for sure thanks a lot and i think uh, th that is the cue that uh, uh, i think i'll take before we kind of conclude uh, so i think collectively we are agreeing uh, that technology is going to be an enabler technology will disrupt the way things are happening but this is also going to be an enabler uh, adoption is the key so we we have to stay relevant we need to adapt to the technology uh, and be open to it that's what uh, dr bar you pointed out that we need to be open approach this with an open mind and create a persona where people see uh, us as someone who is open to newer ideas so that newer opportunities can come to you and and then communicate back your achievements in fields that you have tried now uh, there are other aspects of how macro changes are pushing newer kind of opportunities uh, and that to the the outcome that we are looking to achieve uh, is very kind of the social oriented we are helping humanity in the larger run so so those are opportunities which are anyway up front and and we should go and grab it uh but yeah likely so, so for example if you need to be kind of up there to grab those opportunity you need to be uh, likable uh, and that is the kind of brand that we need to create in future and it's very difficult to predict future as we all conclude uh but yeah there, there are, those are some traits if we have uh, with us will keep us relevant now uh we have a question about kind of uh, the kind of opportunities a physics graduate can have uh, uh in india now if someone from the panel would like to take that question briefly before we quickly jump on to the final kind of leg of this panel i can i can take that question but you know i'm not a physicist but i can give a very generic experience that i have had uh, i i see that uh, uh, this gentleman here siddharth verma is also uh, uh, in in research and you know he's doing uh, research in the area of physics uh the uh, well i i've i've been through that journey as well and 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 when it when you come out of of a research institute you're always wondering whether you're going to get research positions elsewhere um i mean i, I don't i don't want to sound discouraging but the answer is it's very difficult but i'll tell you where you can actually get ahead of the rest of them by having research oriented academic backgrounds is that you have inherently would have molded yourself to have a very different thought process than 
than regular, you know, master's graduates who don't indulge themselves in much of research. Uh, and but you have to just find a way to use that skill uh, in in regular jobs, and that will actually give you an edge to move ahead and rest of the pack uh, who are thinking very conventionally. Because as researchers, we have an ability to think very unconventionally. Uh, thinking out of the box, what we call, um, uh, comes quite naturally if if you are uh, you know deep uh, deep end of uh, research work. Uh, the the good the probably the easy answer is as a as a physicist I think you'll find many many opportunities uh, in India uh, and you can always join corporate companies and others uh, but you know you need to use your ability as a researcher in various other ways uh, and even you know be an entrepreneur do I think India is a land of opportunity so I I wouldn't be too worried uh, for you. <laughs> Thanks, Chinmay. I think before we kind of uh, pass on baton to Tara, uh, I, I personally believe that collective, collective wisdom uh, speaks for all and, and that's, uh, that can kind of enable us to predict the future a little bit because uh, as a group, what we think is what we want to capture. So what I'm sharing now on screen is a quick uh, quiz uh, that I would request each one of us who is able to see the screen uh, uh, can participate. Uh, some of us, we tried participating here already in terms of uh, two skills, which as per you uh, will keep you relevant in future. And again, there's a range from the hard skills like AI, uh, machine learning to softer skills like communication. So it's a range. Uh, what you need to do, you can just uh, uh, go to www.menti.com. Uh, the moment you go, it will ask for a code. The code is flashed on the screen. Uh, and if you just enter the code, uh, it will ask you options that you can submit. So these are skills which you think personally, uh, which will keep you relevant or keep others relevant in future. And as I said, let it be as broad uh, as softer aspects uh, to the harder skills that we are talking about. Now, we'll, we'll wait for a minute to just kind of know, just conclude this, but let's see what skills you think uh, uh, are, are relevant as you think about future, because you heard the panel speak on certain things. Uh, we talked about how do we need to adopt to newer technologies? How do we need to keep our minds open? How do we uh, need to be likable? How do we need to establish our personal branding so that we have the presence uh, register? So when there is an opportunity, there'll be competition all the time. So that uh, is even today relevant, tomorrow again, we can't ignore that. So opportunity will come to the people who are prepared and who have the aura to take on that opportunity. So, so those are the skills that we are looking at feel free to key in your response. I see a couple of more responses coming. So let's uh, kind of uh, wait a few more seconds to just see uh, what as a group we think. Few more seconds uh, before I pause. Anyone, if you have any skills on top of your mind, I think communication is coming out to be really strong. Uh, we are looking at global workspaces. Collaboration is the key. Uh, being open to new ideas, adoption. Yeah, I think that's something that we picked from the panel. And definitely there are some harder skills like blockchain, machine learning, crypto is what uh, Dr. Bauer talked about. Uh, yeah, flexibility to switch because openness to take up new challenges, uh, uh, definitely. And this is interesting to see human to machine connect. Wow. Uh, Maybe in future, we need to develop that skill for sure. You, you can continue answering this. You have the link, you have the code. Uh, in the interest of time, let me pause sharing here. Uh, again, uh, let me thank each one of you on the panel. Thanks audience to join us. And now over to you, Tara, to take it forward. So then, sure, I thank think you have so one much. Question, um, if I'm, I don't know if you missed this. There's a question from the audience. Yeah, sorry, yes. Uh, so Dancho, you can go ahead and take the question. Okay, so it's a question regarding uh, 
what advice do you want to give someone with Australian PR who is from India and decided to settle in Australia after graduation? Uh, it, the question is from Elora Berman. Uh, and this is primarily someone who has an Australian PR looking for opportunity in Australia. Uh, any quick enough uh, inputs for the question here, anyone? Maybe Dr. Bohr may be positioned well to take this. Yeah, because well, I think I we all work in India, right? <laughs> I can give a quick answer. There's uh, currently record low unemployment in uh, employment. Yeah, record low unemployment, um, very high employment, uh, skill shortages pretty much everywhere. So I think um, it, it's hard to imagine a better time to look for a job here, uh, particularly if, if uh, someone has PR. Um, of course, it's a small country in terms of uh, the number of people compared to India. But I mean, to, to stay maybe here another one or two years and then uh, make the transition uh, is, is, I think, a good idea. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Barr. And then Tara, finally, over to you. Thank you so very much, um, Professor Dirk, Mayuri, Dr. Chinman, Sudhanshu. This has been such an interesting conversation from understanding the nascent maturity of technology in the healthcare industry to appreciating the personal impact that our teachers, professors have on students, and of course, also new opportunities in environmental science, unfortunately, due to climate change. Um, even on a personal level, how does our own skill set impact our growth in the workspace? Do do I appreciate working from home or working from office? Um, the, the division between self and organization, it's, it's something for me to think about. And I'm sure that leaves uh, plenty of interesting conversations to have in the future. So thank you, panelists. Thank you so much for your time today. And I thank the audience for being with us for the past uh, hour. Uh, just a note before we close, uh, as a UWA graduate in India, we encourage you to join our Telegram group so that we can engage better with you. Uh, um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn if you'd like any more information on that. Um, it should also be a part of the communication that you receive from the UWA team. And do update your details as part of the global UWA alumni database so that we can always reach you and keep you informed of the latest uh, news from UWA research, stories, events. Thank you again. Uh, thank you, everyone. Have a great week ahead. This session will now be closed. Wherever you are in the world, update us so we can update you all the latest UWA news, research, stories, and events. Keeping your details up to date means you'll never miss out on the benefits of your connection with UWA. We'll also help current students picture their careers and ensure we can prepare them for the future they deserve. 